good morning to you. Have we been to the well and drank this morning or what? Wow, I'm telling you what, guys. Um, I, I hesitate to say this because someone's going to say amen, but we could go home now and we've had church. Amen. amen. And you know, it's wonderful because we sang about the name. And there's nothing like the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ. It is just wonderful. And Krista, thank you so much for that wonderful song. And truly, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence into this place. I really pray. Well, listen, let me, I don't, I was wrestling whether to give you a little disclaimer or not, but I will give you one. You know, kind of changed up the message a little bit today. A lot of the same scriptures, but total disorganization. So if you look at the, um, if you look at the sermon sheets, it's probably not going to follow that very well. So don't like go, what, huh? Uh, it's it's kind of halfway planned. It, it really is. Because as I studied this, I really just, God, what do you want me to do with this wonderful scripture um, that we have today? Because we're right in the middle of, we find ourselves like right in the middle of, of this wonderful series on the Ten Commandments. You know, taking this ancient truth and bringing it right into the present day. And probably the thing that I can't get away from is this idea of looking at these ten, ten beautiful commands that God gave us through the lens of two. And that lens of two is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, and, then, and then Jesus gave another one. He's you know, tied together. He said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. And, and you know what Jesus said? And, and he said it more than once. He said, man, like nothing's more important than this. Uh, in fact, one way he said this. He said, all the law and all the commands hang on these two things. So you would think if, if Jesus said this is the most important and all the law hangs on these two things, you'd go, whoa, we should be, you should turn on W, whatever it is on TV and, and John Hagee and, and everybody else you can imagine is there going, wow, we need to preach about love God and love people. But week after week after week, you don't hear that. And so I asked the question like a week or two ago. I said, so why is that? Why is it when Jesus said, like, the most important thing is this, why do you not hear it? And I think I figured it out. It's hard. It's hard. You know, we kind of push back from hard things. We like things in the Christian life that are just a little bit easier. You know, we, we kind of like things that, you know, I can do this. There are things that I can do. And here's the deal. When we ignore the hard stuff and do the easy stuff, and if we don't find any easy stuff, we kind of make up easy stuff. When we, when we do that, we get in trouble. And it'd be so easy. You know, there's a couple times today we could say this. I already said it once. I'm going to say it probably two more times. Is that really, you know, we got the doing part. We're on the third command today. And it's from Exodus 20 and verse number 7. And the, the, the King James, or at least the New King James, says, you know, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and I will not hold guiltless those who take my name in vain. And we kind of get that. We kind of get the doing part. You know, the doing part is we understand, and it's true and it's right, that we should not use the name of the Lord our God in vain. I don't know about you, but, man, I cringe. When we're in public and we hear someone using Jesus' name in a derogatory way or, or God in a, in a derogatory way. I like one of the pictures that we saw in the video. You know, if you, you know, those black signs with the white letters that says, if you've got a curse, use your own name, God. I hate it when we hear God's name used in a bad way. And, and, we, and we get that and we understand that. You know, the, the Jews really got it. You know, the Jews, did you know the Jews, when the scribes would copy the, the law... And they came to the name of God, they would get a different pen and a different ink. 
and write the name of God. So they'd be writing things, you know, copying scripture. And when it came to Yahweh or Jehovah or one of those names of God, they would put the pen down and get another pen, another ink, and write that name, and then pick it back up, and they would write some other things. They, they even they held the name of God in such high esteem that often they had names for God that they made up so they didn't have to say the real name. Or they would switch the letters in the name so that they didn't write the name of God. They wrote something close. It's amazing how much respect that they had for the name of God. And you know, again, we could kind of go, okay, got that Dwayne, great sermon, let's go home. We should not use God's name in vain. But you know, here's this command, and it's right in, you know, like the first three deal with, first four deal with God, and you've got this one, and there's only ten of them, and one of me says, don't use my name in vain. And you probably go, you know, there might just be something more to it than that. There might be just something more to, not just verbally, but God had something else in mind. And I think he did. You know, the Holman Christian Standard, I think the, uh, the old NIV 84, um, several of them use this way. They say this, do not misuse the name of God. And that really gives us a hint, maybe, of what God had in idea. Not replacing, thou shalt not use my name in a derogatory way but misrepresenting or misusing the name of God. I, I don't know if you really got the video or not. You, you got a chance to get a preview last week, and you saw it again this week. And, you know, you saw things like war, you know, in the Crusades, in the name of God. In the Middle Ages, in the Crusades, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people were killed in the name of God. You may have saw the recognized the pictures from the 1990s and 80s of the uh, Irish Republican Army and the, the Protestant Catholic War that they had going on. And bombs were blasted and people were shot and killed. Uh, people were assassinated all in the name of God. Ministers in, in the Civil War era, you know, particularly in the South, obviously, they, they, would, they would defend slavery in the name of of God. During the 1960s, when, when all the horrible segregation wars were going on and, and they were trying to overturn all of that, down south, preachers would get in their pulpit and pound their pulpits in the name of God that God intended people to be separated. So many horrible things have been done in the name of God. And then you throw in the real you know, the guys who believe in another God and, and holy wars and jihad and all of that, all in the name of, and I quote it and put it in quotes, God. So you see that in a lot, a lot of ways, the name of God has been misused. And, and today I want to spend our time together. I want to go further than just saying that we should not verbalize the name of God in the wrong way. But I want us to ask ourselves, I want to bring it home to us. And I want us to ask ourselves, are there ways that we misrepresent or we misuse the word of God? And there is. There are ways. I, I kind of, in the introduction, you know, I said that we have a tendency not to do the hard things. You know, it's, you know, it's really hard sometimes to love God. And it's really hard to love people. It's a lot easier to do some of the things that we do in the religious world and go, see? 
You know, I was raised in a generation, and a lot of you were too, that there were a whole lot of traditions that we were raised with. And I think that's probably a pretty good word, uh, traditions. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there's a better word, and you can tell me after church. But there were several things that I was raised with that, I mean, they were like big deals that, you know, that we came up with rules. And like one was dancing. Dancing. Dancing was a really, really big deal, you know, in the 60s because of the rock music. The, you, if you're my age, you might remember this. The devil's music! The devil's music! And, 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 and you, know, you know, kids were dancing like they never were before, you know. There was bodies moving in ways, and parents got afraid, and preachers got afraid. And so all of a sudden, a lot of preachers jumped on the, on the anti-dancing bandwagon. And, and really what happened was it, it, it turned into thou shalt not dance. And, and there really wasn't a scripture for that, but, but they wanted to make sure that the kids didn't fall into the devil's music and moving their bodies in, in ungodly ways, and so they just put a thou shalt not out there. And we bought it hook, line, and sinker. I mean, you know, I, I can't dance today for one reason. I never have. I mean, I tried one time, and there's some people there, and they called 9-11 thinking I was having a seizure. I mean, it was crazy. I just, I just can't do it. And you know what's really weird? What's really weird is that um, to this day, when one of you get up and dance and I'm at a reception or something, I'm going, even though I know, even though I know there's no thou shall not dance, I still go, they're dancing. Now, students, I want you to get this. There is some dancing that is vulgar. Now, I've not seen it, but my brother has been to the prom. And some of the things they call dancing day is downright wrong. You need to know that. But that doesn't mean we should throw the baby out of the bath, the bathwater with the baby. Is that right? Now, never mind. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater. All right? Because, again, there's some dancing that's beautiful. You know, when a couple and a husband and wife dance and things like that. So, so thou shalt not dance. That was just one thing. Oh, my gosh. Cards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, thou shalt not play cards. Why? Because that's the devil's game. We had the devil's music, which led to the devil's action. And then we had the devil's game. And, you know, we did not play cards. I, and, again, my dad wasn't that spiritual. But I don't think you, you would have found a deck of cards in the Taylor household. And now I go to meetings and stuff. And there are the senior adults. Not the kid. Senior adults. And they're playing Cards. Cards. And I'm, and I'm going, no, no, thou shalt not play cards. Now, again, they pounded the pulpit and they said this stuff, but I never found a scripture about cards. I think it's probably because of what happened down in the men's cave on Friday nights when the guys played poker. I don't know. I just know cards were like, like really bad. Really bad. Um, oh, let's see. I, I got a list I, I made up here. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Fishing on Sunday. Now, again, my daddy was not the most spiritual man in the world, but we were raised. I mean, we were raised. You could not go, thou, thou shalt not go fishing on Sunday. Now, I get the part, you shouldn't get up in the morning and miss church and go fishing, okay? You shouldn't do that. I understand that because kind of like, this is the Lord's day. But my dad, no. You, we came home. I'll tell you what we did. We were real spiritual. We came home. You know, we had lunch, and then we watched Tarzan. I'm telling you, it was okay if white people got split in half by the natives, but we couldn't go fishing on Sunday. 
know, we could see all the Tarzan episodes, all the people dying and stuff, and that was okay. But we just got, you know what, to this day, you guessed it, I don't fish on Sundays. I just don't fish on Sundays. I'm still, I'm still scarred by the thou shalt nots, the traditions, the rules, the laws that we came up with because we didn't think, well, we thought God needed a little help. We thought God just may need a little help, so we came up with that. You know, I remember a time, and you probably do too. You know, I was raised in the South, and me and you and I were talking about this, and we identified with this. You know, when you went to church on Sunday, you wore the absolute best that you had. I mean, you can, some of y'all, yeah, I remember that. I do that. still do that, still do that. One of the reasons I still wear a tie is because of some of the upbringing that I had in those days. But here's the deal. You know, again, there's not a thou shalt not wear your best. And you probably, I don't know, if you go to the mall, you may want to dress up. I don't know. I'm just saying. But it's one of the things that we did. And then, you know, I was, in, I was a mature adult before I found out that HBO didn't stand for Hell's Box Office. I mean, thou shalt not go to movies because every movie was bad. And so I wrote up, didn't go to, my goodness, listen to rock music. I, I remember going to Germany. I said, I've got a, I'm scarred for life. Y'all need to put me in therapy. You need to put me, you need to put me in religion therapy. I, I've got it all. Listen, I remember going to, to Germany, and what you did when you went to Germany is you bought the most expensive sound systems because they're a lot cheaper over there. And I had this 121 amplifier, and Rod Rick Johnson still got my speakers, and them suckers stand this tall, the subwoofers this big in the, each one of the speakers. I mean, we had all this wonderful equipment. And one day, my pastor in Valdosta was no longer with me, and I listened to rock music. Well, you had to because, you know, the, the, the music that a lot of the Christians were playing then had zero thump. And I had these really big speakers and all this power, and it's going, da, da, da. And I want my speakers to thump. So I started listening to sinners like James Taylor, Carly, oh, big sin, big sin, Carly Simon, you know, the, the real big sinners of the day. I mean, I didn't know what Led Zeppelin was. I, Black Sabbath, I thought that was kind of like Black Friday. I didn't know. I didn't listen to that kind of stuff. I just want a little bit of James Taylor and stuff. And, all, and boy, did I feel guilty. Even though the guys who taught me that were not there, I still had the... Can you all identify with some of this stuff? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. That, that really ties in what I'm trying to say today is that what we do is if we have this tendency to take God and say God said this and God didn't say it. The bottom line is this. If God said it, he said it. If he didn't, he didn't. And here's the crazy part. A lot of the pushback that people out in the world have with us is not with God and His Word. It's with our traditions. It's with the things that we've got. And they walk in and we say, oh, look at that big sinner. They have tattoos. You know, they have a piercing or something. And, and they feel not wanted because of some of the things that they do. And they come into the house of God to hear about God. And we should make it easy for them and not hard for them. You know, we're going to, talk, we're going to preach a series in October, September, October about called the four judgments. And there is a time when we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as believers and we will not be judged for our sin, the penalty for our sin, but we will give account for our lives. And I think the conversation is going to go something like this. You know, it's going to be, you know, Jesus is going to say, okay, Dwayne, let's have a conversation. And it probably won't be exactly like this. 
but let's have a conversation. So how did you do with that love your neighbor thing? And I'm going to go like, well, Jesus, I didn't do very good with that, but I didn't go to movies, I didn't play cards, and I didn't dance. And he's going to go, those aren't even in the book. Those aren't even in the book. I really think we've got to get a grasp of the things that are important to God should be important to us. Us. And there's, listen, again, there needs to be parameters with all those things. I'm not saying those are wrong things. I'm just saying when they're presented as God said and God didn't say, you may say this is my opinion, but you don't need to present it as the word of God if it's not the word of God. Amen? I mean, it's just hugely, hugely important. You know, another side of the same coin is this. When I was raised up in church, every service began with the doxology. And the organ would go bump, and all the people would stand, and they would say this. You know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And yet, that's what happened. That's what we did. That's what we did. In fact, in Cobden, we actually had a business meeting voted that you had to sing the doxology to begin church. Get nothing wrong with that. Isn't that a beautiful word and a beautiful song? But here's my question. What if those words aren't true in your heart? What if those, that song really means nothing to you? It's just how you kick off the service. When you sing praise God from whom all blessings flow, in your heart you could give a flip if, if all play, praise just you know, went to God. That's a misuse of God's name. And he really, you know, this was a, listen, listen, listen. This is a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal to Jesus. And if it's a big deal to Jesus, it ought to be a big deal to us. He does not want plastic. He doesn't want things, well, you know, God said and God didn't say it. He really doesn't like that. Because see, the, the time that he lived, the time that he walked the earth, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were constantly saying God said and God didn't. They had like a zillion rules about you can't do this and you can't do this. You can't do this. But God said none of them. Now, on your sermon sheet, this is one scripture that's on your sermon sheet. Listen to this. The, the Pharisees had come to Jesus and said, Hey, your disciples, they don't wash their hands you know, in the way that we wash our hands uh, before they eat. So why is it they do this? And the Pharisees had come up with this rule somewhere, Thou shalt wash your hands a certain way before you eat. And the water had to run down to your elbow and all these things. And if you didn't, woo, you were in trouble. Here's what Jesus said. Well did, and this is Mark chapter 7. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites? And boy, we don't like that word. But a hypocrite is something who says one thing and does another. Okay? And in this case, the Pharisees are saying, we're tight with God. We're good with God. We're spiritual. And they, they really weren't. It's very hypocritical. Here's what he said. This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. 
In other words, when we did the doxology thing, and most of us did not really care if God got glory that day, it's just how we started church. He was saying, you honor me with your lips, but you don't honor me with your heart. And when we come up with all the rules, you know, the dangerous things about rules that we make up, like these ones I've talked about today, is that they're usually for our benefit. They make us feel better. But they do nothing really for the glory of God. He says in verse 7, And in vain they worship me, in vain they worship me, teaching, listen, 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 teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In fact, he goes on and says this, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. He's saying, wow, the problem is not only do you teach this stuff, but you put it above God's word. You know, in, in some religions today, in some circles today, the word of a man has more power than the word of God. And man, is that wrong? Is that wrong? You know, I, I, just, I just believe this. I really believe that the book says we should do it. We should do it. If the word says don't do it, don't do it. If the word says do it, we should do it. And if the word doesn't say do it, we shouldn't do it. I mean, I get that. Boy, I'm, I'm home. We could say amen, great sermon, let's go home on that one. But here's the deal. The, the problem is, is that we want to go further than the word. We want to get in the mud puddle, the mud puddle, our opinions. Our opinions. It's, it's, it, I, David, I think it still goes back to this performance gospel thing. Because again, I can't love you. And so I, even though I can't do the main thing, the hard thing, I'll do some things that make me feel good about myself. And the dangerous part of that is, now listen, is that when I do this and I start feeling better about myself, guess what I do? I judge the ones around me who don't do what I think they ought to do. Not the word of God. Just the things that I think they ought to do. There's two dangerous paths. One is, of course, one is that we, we judge people. And we do. And we do. When we do this stuff, we judge. You know, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see anybody looking across the room and going, you see, you see Terry Guest? I don't see them going, he hasn't won anyone to Jesus in nine years. I don't see that. But my goodness, you know, let, let Terry wear a, a Cards or Cubs shirt and, and a, a Cubs fan sees him wearing a Cardinals shirt. And, oh, what's he doing in church with that blasphemy on? Can I have an amen? You see, we, we take things. Normally, the, the people, the rock chucking and the judgment happens on the things that we think people ought to do, not what the Word of God says. The judging doesn't happen because we don't do the hard things. The judgment happens because people don't do the easy things that we think they ought to do. And I think the reason why is, is because that performance-based thing. We've got it in our brains that we've got to have God's approval. And, and we're gonna, we need God's approval. So what we're going to get God's approval is we're going to come up with some rules that we're good at. You know, I'm, I, like, for instance, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm on a pretty good yard. But if I planted stuff, it would die. Pooter is the planter. I'm the mower. People go by and say, nice yard. I said, just the mower. 
I'm not good at planning things. So I find myself something that I'm good at, which is weeding and mowing a yard, which has to be done anyway. So I really think the reason, the tendency we have this idea of coming up with our own rules is things that we do easily. Thou shalt go to church. And you ought to go to church. Oh, you ought to go to church. You ought to go to church. But again, if you think you're better because of you go three and they go two, or you go three and they go one, you need, to, you need to do what God says. God says, don't forsake the assembly yourselves together, as the manner of some is. So we've got to really make sure we follow the word of God and not us. Because when we make the rules up and then we judge people for, for that, then what happens is we misrepresent God. And by the way, think how many church fights happen because of this. Mm-hmm. A bunch. Did you see the pictures in there? Worship wars. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. Which, by the way, David, you'll appreciate this. I never call your name twice in one message. So this must be a special day. You know, the doxology is kind of like a course. Four lines. And, man, we sang that for like zillions of years. Courses aren't something new. But there's worship wars. There's church wars. It's crazy. It's crazy. So here's what I want you to take home. I want you to take on the importance of us not judging one another. They say, hey, when, how does that tie in? It ties in normally, not always, but normally because of the rules we make. So often we look down on people, again, not because the word says thou shalt or thou shalt not but because we've made a rule up and they're not doing what we think they ought to do. And we judge them. Jesus talked about that. Listen to what he said. This is Matthew 7. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then it gets personal. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own? So, so there's someone here today, and they have violated the rule of all rules. And please, I'm not, I told you, I said, my goal is not to offend too many people today. But there's someone here today, and they've got shorts on in church. And you go, I cannot believe they wore shirts. That, I, I get that. I understand that. Okay, I, I get your opinion. I get that. But at the same time, while you're judging them for what they wore to church today, you hate the guy you're sitting next to. You won't love God, love people, but you want to cast a rock at someone for what they wore at church. Not that it's immodest, it just doesn't agree. Or by the music they listen to. Or by, by some of the things that they do. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I mean, my gosh. And Jesus says, you've got this log in your eye, and you're worried about the speck in his. And then he says this. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your eye. Hypocrite, first, I almost skipped over that word, it's so harsh. Hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. So beware, nothing wrong with traditions. Even, again, mom and daddy, I'm going to get in your stuff today. If you let your kid go to the prom and do some of this, I don't even know the names of this stuff, you probably could tell me. But there's some very... Okay, I'm going to use the word. There's some very sexual dances that are occurring at your high school, at prom. And mom and daddies, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you make sure your kid doesn't do that stuff. I would appreciate another amen besides my wife. 
I get that. But don't sit and say, all dancing's wrong, because it's not. And certainly don't say, God said. Because God didn't say. In fact, David danced before the Lord. Half naked, by the way. It's in the book. You ought to read the Bible. It's interesting. So, so be careful. Don't be so careful this judging thing. And be careful that you don't say God said when God didn't say. Now, the second great danger is that when rules get before people. Now, this is a great scripture. This is Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, now he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a paralyzed hand. So they're at church. They're at church. And the man's hand is crippled. You got the picture? Okay. In order to accuse him, they, the scribes and Pharisees, were watching him closely to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So here's a guy with a crippled hand. And the scribes and Pharisees are there. And they're looking at Jesus going, I wonder if he's going to violate the Sabbath to heal his hand. Now, once again, the Sabbath is one of those things that the Pharisees wrote all these rules about. You know, God just said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And to help God out, they wrote like 500 rules about the Sabbath. I told you a story before. In 1997, we were in the Holy Land. And so on the Sabbath day, when you got on the elevator, it was automatic. It automatically went to the seventh floor. You did not mash a button. You know why? That was work. So we went up to the seventh floor automatically where Jewish men and women cooked and served us food. And somehow that wasn't work. Can I, have a, can I have a witness? I mean, these guys wrote all these rules about the Sabbath. So here's this guy with this crippled hand, and they're watching Jesus. They want to accuse him just in case he heals the hand. Okay. He told the man with a paralyzed hand, here, come stand before us. That might have been a little bit embarrassing. Then he said to them, the scribes and Pharisees, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do what is good or to do what is evil? To save life or to kill it? So, so he's saying, okay, we have a guy here with a crippled hand. It's the Sabbath. Which is right and wrong? Should we leave him crippled? Or if I had the ability, should I heal him? Crippled, healed. What do you think? You know what they said? Nothing. They were silent. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says. After, verse 5, after looking around at them with anger and sorrow, anger and sorrow at the hardness of their hearts, he told the man, stretch out your hand. Our Savior, the creator of the Sabbath, understood the Sabbath. And he was so angry at the religious leaders who thought it was okay to leave the man crippled as long as he didn't heal on the Sabbath. Wow. And the Bible says he was angry. He had this righteous indignation about these religious people who were so wrapped up in the rules. And not the way God wrote them, the way they wrote them. And the Bible says... When he told him to stretch out his hand, it was restored. Now watch. I want you to get this. Don't miss this. Don't gloss over. Don't take it. Don't miss the takeaway. 
Immediately, how quick? Immediately, the Pharisees went out and started plotting with Herodians against him how they might destroy him. I want you to get this. The people who were mad about him healing a hand on Sunday went immediately out and said, how can we kill him? I think there's a command. Mary, is that what it says? Thou shalt not kill. Is that not twisted? And see, again, the Pharisees are so about you know, the rules that they put the rules before the people. Now, I'm telling you what. It made Jesus angry. So, so what do we do with this? Because I hope you're sitting there going, huh? I hope you're going like, what? Because what? I want you to get it. I want you, I want you to fully understand. Listen. God's name, that name that my brother so effectively led us in singing about today, that name is not a name of bondage. It is a name of freedom. The name of God is a name of freedom, not bondage. And again, if you're to describe your relationship with God and your fellowship with God and how you perceive God, does it look like a prison cell or a beautiful, majestic mountaintop? If your version of God looks more like a prison cell than a mountaintop, you need to get into the Word of God and see truly the God that you worship. Because He is a God of glorious freedom. He is a God of victory. He is a God who loved us. Oh, He loved us. Oh, He loved us so much that He sent His Son, His Son, His Son to die on a cross like this that we could be in relationship with Him. He shed His blood that we could have relationship with Him. That's the kind of God that He is. That's the name that He has. And we grossly misrepresent the name of God when we paint him as something else. I know, and I came, is it West, what's that crazy Baptist church out in Kansas? The picture was there, was it? Westbrook? Did you see it? Westbrook? Did you see it? God hates you. I blotted out what the t-shirt said. And you can imagine, if you've seen the news, you've probably seen it before. Okay, I'm going to say it because I, I didn't have a heart put on the sign. You know, thank God for dead soldiers. Now, I know these people are probably lost, but they're, they're a crazy, horrible representation of what happens when we misspeak the name of God. Because it's in the name of God. And unfortunately, it's the name of Baptist that our name is tied to junk like that. And we want to make sure we, the Dorisville Baptist Church, we, the believers of Jesus Christ in the Dorisville Baptist Church, we want to make sure that we represent the name of God well. Amen? Well. 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 Now, we are going to have this wonderful opportunity next week when about 1,300 people will walk through this building. When some 700 children will get shoes and school supplies and clothes and underwear and socks and a haircut and a good meal. We're going to have the opportunity to represent the name of Jesus Christ well. And I hope you'll make a commitment to pray this entire week. God, may this be a glorious lighthouse of your love and your compassion and your grace to a whole lot of hurting people.
Three more scriptures and we're done. I want you to remember these scriptures. It represent, how, how should we represent the name of Jesus Christ? Paul writes it. Therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him not a name, has given him the name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We want to worship authentically. And when we speak the name of Jesus, present it as the name that is above every name. Acts 4.12 says, There is no other, say no other, There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. When people see our lives, when they see our church, when they see our ministries, when they see our actions, when they see our actions, oh, may they see it as the only name. The only name whereby they, we, can be saved. Present Christ as the Savior of the world. There will be a time for judgment. But now is a time for grace. Time for grace. Oh, the last one. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now look, we are ambassadors, not for the Dorsville Baptist Church, not for the Baptist faith, not for Christianity as we see it. We are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. So, so, you know, if the United States had an ambassador and he went out and expressed his opinion and his views and how he thinks things ought to be, he would be relieved. We're not here to present our opinions and our views. We are here to present the opinion of holy God. We are here to present the view of holy God. This book is the printed revelation of God Almighty. This is what we are to present to a lost and dying world. This is it. This is it. We are here to represent the name in a glorious way. A glorious way. Is it harder? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes. If we, I used this term the other day, if we dumb down God and we dumb down His Word you know, to what we think it ought to be and our opinions, there'd be no power. It's a powerless gospel when we do that. But when we represent the name of God as it should be presented, as a name that's above every name, that the name that every man, woman, and child can be saved if they'll turn from their sins, that we are ambassadors for Christ. It is a glorious ministry that He has given us. So the take-home is real easy. 
One, don't use God's name in a bad way. There, we won't even go there, but you know what I'm talking about. We live in a society that is free in the use of God's name in a vain way. Don't fall trapped into that. Okay. Be careful what you Facebook post. What you post on Facebook. Be careful just because every other person it seems is misusing God's name with this and that. If you're a child of God, don't be guilty of misusing the name of God in that way. And the other takeaway. Let's leave today with a commitment that we truly represent God's name. Not in our way, but as his word declares. And the reason this is important, do you understand our country's in dire straits? Do you understand we're turning our backs on God in a big way? If we present a powerless gospel, one we've dreamed up, with our rules and our ways and our opinions, America has no hope. But if we will present and represent well the name of God, I've told you, when those refugees from a sinful world finally decide to turn around, we've got to be standing solid on the word of God. The word of God. Representing our God's name well. And that is the gospel of hope. If, if, if America is depending on a powerless gospel, there is no hope. If America can see the power of the true gospel, America has a future. And America has a hope. And that hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. He is so good. He's so faithful. Guys, the world is so dark. The world is so dark. As over the, the 50s and 60s and 70s, as we slowly presented this, this weak gospel to this world, slowly it slid further and further from God. It is a day, it is a time, it is an hour to present the true gospel once again. I loved the video that David chose. I didn't even know that was in the order today. Because the book is not a collection of stories that are untied together. It's one story. The story of rescue. The story of redemption. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and maybe you've been turned off in the past by some of the rules and regulations that we've dreamed up. Maybe you're back here today. Someone promised to buy you dinner. I don't know. But I just want to tell you this. The real gospel, the true gospel, is a glorious gospel. The word gospel means good news, by the way. The great news, the best news, is that God loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die. And that whosoever will may come, willing to turn from their sins and follow Christ, they can have redemption and forgiveness of their sins. From my friend Brent, we'll be standing down front. And we want to tell you about, we love our church. We think it's a very special body of believers. But more than we want to tell you about that, we want to tell you about Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never, never got that part of the message today, oh, listen, 
we want to tell you about this man named Jesus. And my brothers and sisters, I hope I made it clear enough today, but we must represent the name of God well in accordance with his word. If it's thus saith the Lord, it's thus saith the Lord. And God says yes, it's yes. And God says no, it's no. Let's truly be, here you go, let's truly be a people of the word. Now, God, I love you today. I thank you for my privilege of sharing this truth. Now, Holy Spirit, as Krista sang at the very beginning, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Speak to hearts. Draw men, women, and children to yourself by the glorious gospel. And may we, your children, we, your people, decide today that we will represent you well. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.